as we jump into our series, 28 Days of Prayer, we're going to look at four aspects of prayer that can change your life and give you resources on how you can connect with God. See, prayer is so crucial to our connection with God because it's how we communicate with God. And to pray, we have to uncover the truth about who God is so we can deeply connect with God. Let me say that again. To pray, we have to uncover the truth about God so we can connect deeply with God. It's like any good relationship. You, you have to know that person. You have to know the truth about that person. And when you know the truth about that person, what does it do? It makes you able to connect deeply with them. And so today, we're going to look how we can, in our prayer life, know God's truth and deeply connect with him. But to, you know, in our world today, it's hard to know and distinguish what is truth. I don't know if you feel like me, but as I scroll Facebook, as I scroll Instagram, as I, I look through news sites, I, I'm always asking, is this true? Who can I trust? Can I trust this news source? Can I trust this social media post? Can I trust my friend for posting that? Or can I, can I trust a politician? It feels like I can't trust anyone. Today, I want us to see how God is trustworthy. And when we see him as trustworthy, how it can change our life. And the theme that we're going to look at today is just central throughout the Bible. And that theme is the theme of light, the theme of light. And God connects light and truth frequently through the Bible. I just want to show you right now, we're just going to open up to the very first line of the Bible and it's in Genesis one. And it starts like this. It talks about light. And let's look at the theme of light. In Genesis one, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and it was empty and darkness covered the waters. Did you catch that darkness? What does darkness do? It covers, it shadows, it hides, it does not reveal. Yet the spirit of God, it was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then he separated the light from the darkness. Darkness covers but light reveals, light uncovers. And as we look at this idea of light, it's correlated with the truth of God. When God's light shines, his truth shines. Darkness is no match for light. It is January and this coming Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And it reminds me of the famous quote that he would say. He said this, he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. See, darkness... It shadows things, it covers things, but light, it pushes out darkness. God's truth, his light, it pushes out lies, it pushes out falsehood. And today we're going to see how that impacts our prayer life. So when I was a kid, uh, we had this big yard and we would play football in our backyard. I mean, it was huge and it backed up to this forest and it was amazing. And we, we had a couple dogs and we had this dog run slash pen that was in the very back of the yard and it was right by the forest. And I loved our backyard. I was very familiar with our backyard, but as winter would come, we would get home from school and work and it would be dark. And my dad started having me go get our dogs at like six o'clock, seven o'clock when it was dark. And as I got in that backyard and there was no light and darkness covered that backyard, freaked me out. I mean, I would hear owls, whoo, whoo, whoo. And I would just be like, 
so scared. So what I would do is if we didn't have, sometimes my dad wouldn't have a flashlight. So I, I would just have complete darkness. I'd let my eyes get adjusted and I'd like pump myself up. And then I would run as fast as I could across our yard, open the dog pen up and have the dogs run with me back because I was scared of the dark. Have you ever felt the difference between dark and light? I think we all have. See, when there is light on a path, there's clarity. You can see what's ahead of us, but when it's dark, there's a lack of clarity. When a path is lit, there's peace because you can see danger that might, like there might be a hole right there. And when it's lit, I can see that I won't step in the hole. There's peace that comes. When light is shined down, it feels like there is security. Have you ever been in a parking lot with no lights you feel like you, no one can see you, no one knows you, but when there's light on you, you're known, you can be seen, there's security. Light also just brings happiness. How we get happiness is through vitamin D. When we get sunshine, we become more happy. Light overcomes darkness, and light, God said, was good. And this metaphor of light, it reveals what is truly there. Light brings truth. Okay, so we saw Genesis 1, the very beginning of the Bible, we see this theme of light and truth. We now jump to our New Testament in the very beginning of the Gospel of John. John almost verbatim repeats what Genesis 1 says, but he does it in context with who Jesus is. And so as we read this, this is talking about Jesus as light. Jesus is truth. Check it out. It says this. In the beginning was the Word. So when it says the Word, it's really saying Jesus, his word. So it goes, in the beginning was the word Jesus and the word was with God and the word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Jesus was in everything. He made everything. He was there at the beginning and without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was what? The light. It's the light, the truth of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came to be the light. And you see how it connects with truth almost? That word, that word, word, is what we speak, where our truth comes from. So Jesus, what the Bible is saying is that he speaks all truth. And God is light means that God is the source and measure of all that is true. Another way to, be, to put it would be this that nothing is truly understood until it is understood in the light of God. Jesus is the light. He's the word. People, a lot of times when we think of the Bible, we think of the word of God is what the Bible's called a lot of times, or even Jesus, we start trying to maybe poke holes in it. I don't know about you, but when I went to college, I, I was interested in my faith, so I took, I just kind of wanted to take a uh, New Testament class. So I took a New Testament class, and I sat in my New Testament class as a freshman. I watched the professor destroy the authority of the Bible and deconstruct the thoughts of the Bible and, and start going, trying to say, the, this is not true. God's truth is not truth. Man's truth is true. I don't have time today to tell you all the reasons I believe the Bible is authoritative, why I believe it is true, why I believe it is trusted, but I want to give you one reason why I trust it. I trust it because Jesus trusted it. Jesus trusted the Bible. He quoted the Old Testament. He would use it in his teachings. He would abide by the Bible. 
And if Jesus trusts the Bible, if Jesus uses the Bible, if Jesus goes, this is God's truth, I'm going to trust it, and here's why I trust Jesus. If you are out there and you can predict your death and tell me that you're going to raise again from the dead and you actually do it, I'll trust you. See, Jesus goes, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to die. I'll raise again. And he actually did it. I will trust that person. I trust the Bible. If you're interested more in just how can we have confidence? How do we know that God's word is his word? There's a couple of resources I want to throw at you. One is just, there's a ton of books by a guy named Josh McDowell that are super helpful. And then a specific book, if you've read some of Josh's stuff, you can go to Craig Bloomberg. He's a or Blomberg, he is a professor at uh, Denver Seminary, and he has a book, Can We Still Believe the Bible, that will give some great just resources if you're asking that question. Can I believe God is true? Okay, so today our key passage is we jump into this idea of prayer and how do we pray in truth to God. We're gonna be looking at 1 John, and there's a tension that's happening at 1 John. There's this letter being written to this church by John, and the, the churches are a bunch of house churches, or what we call them restoration or simple churches. They're just a few people, two or more people, gathering to practice the ways of Jesus and to make disciples for Jesus. And, and they're just practicing the ways of Jesus, and they're seeing lots of other people start to know Jesus, and this tension arises in First John, where these deceivers come in, these new people, and they say, Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is not true. You can't trust Jesus. And so they're poking holes. They're going, Jesus is not the way, the truth, and life. And so I want us to look, because we live in a similar society today. I think a lot of times in our world, we, we go, you know, we have it so bad, or we've never experienced anything like this in our entire world. That's, that's not true. Our world is full of tragic events. Our world is full of lies. Just because it's more technologically public, our world has always been full of deception. That's the key tactic of Satan himself is deception. But I want us to look how these simple churches, these people actually took truth and they applied it to their life. And we're gonna look at a prayer practice today. It's an ancient practice that I wanna want show you that will transform the way you pray and how you can bring truth to your prayers. And the next four weeks, we're gonna be working through a, an acronym called CHAT, and each letter stands for a different tool that we're gonna give you. And so today we're on C, and the ancient practice that I want us to look in today is the idea of confession. And when I say the word confession, all of a sudden I know a lot of things are flooding through people's minds because in our society, it's kind of an explicit word almost. We, we need to reshape it. I think a lot of people think of like an old traditional church. I know that's what I think of or like a Catholic confession booth where you go and you, Father, forgive me for my sins and you just confess to someone or maybe it's a court of law where there's a confession that's being held or, or a cheating spouse that has confession that is confessing their, their issues or, or even just confession seems like a self-flagellation where you're beating yourself up, you're hitting yourself, you're going, I can't believe I've done what I've done. And I think a lot of people live in that where they, they feel so much shame about what they've done in their life that confession just seems like I got to go beat myself up over and over again. What this does is it actually brings a lot of shame. It's evil and it brings us a glimpse of hell. Really sometimes the way that we can think of confession is darkness. But I want to tell you today 
the way that God sees confession and what it can do in your life and my life is it can bring, bring light, it can bring truth, it can bring joy, and it can bring peace. So what is confession? Confession simply means this. It means to profess or to acknowledge, or another word that we see in the Bible over and over again is repent. The idea of I'm going one way and I acknowledge that I don't want to go this way anymore and I turn and I go the other direction. Here's, a, here's the definition I have for us today on confession. This is my definition. Confession is our choice as people to uncover the truth about God, ourselves, and our God-given identity, and then aligning our lives to that truth. So it's uncovering the truth about God, who we are, and what God says we are, and then aligning or turning our way to that. And so darkness, as we know, darkness covers things. Lies cover. They, they hide. Light reveals. It uncovers truth. And so today I want to show you that confession actually brings truth. And that there's three confessions that if you put in your life, it will change your life. It will make you deeper connected with God than you've ever been. That first confession is our confession about God, our confession about God. And I told you we're going to be in first John today and where John's talking to these simple churches. And we're going to start in first John one, five and six. And we see the theme again. And here's what John says. He says, God is light. God is true. Everything of God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. Our first confession is that God is light and all truth, all knowledge, everything that we need is in him. Everything we need is in God. But I think there's something that prevents a lot of us from having this confession as being true in our lives, where, where we're going, this is a truth that is true, is that we, we don't necessarily know if we believe that God is light. We might say there's, God has light, and then we compare it to our light. But this passage, that's not what John's saying. He's saying God is light. It's not that God has a light and that we have a light. He's saying God is light. He is true. He is complete. Everything is in him. But in the world we live in, in our, in our nature is to think, well, what, what is my light? What is my truth? What truth do I believe? What, what do I think is best? What do I think God is like? What do I think the world is like? What is, my view of the world and God is based on my knowledge and my discernment and is shaped how I want it to be shaped and whatever I deem is best. The hardship with that thinking is just because you think something is true does not make it true. I, I could say, I don't believe there's gravity. I can go jump off this stage I can believe it, but it doesn't mean that gravity does not exist. See, gravity is true. God is light. God is true. Yet we are so tempted at times to go, what is my truth? And how do I see the world through my lens and not through God's lens? Yet here's kind of a disclaimer. I don't believe the whole world is just full of darkness. Like if you don't know God, if you don't have a relationship with God, it's just complete darkness. You have no truth. Because when I look around, I see 
goodness and I see grace that fills our world. I see people that don't even have a relationship with Jesus to be better people than me. They're more kind, they're more loving. And it's like, well, all of a sudden, if I'm this follower of Jesus, yet someone that doesn't know God is light, God is true, is a better person than I, how does that happen? The doctrine or the theological term is the idea of common grace. And what common grace is, is common grace is just the expression of the goodness of God that God shows in every favor, yet it falls short of salvation. So common grace is why the world does not implode on itself. God shows himself. He reveals himself. We can experience the goodness and the truth of God and the truth of our world, even when we're not followers of Jesus Yet, it's kind of like this. It's like, if, you're ever to, if you're, I were to have a lamp up here and it has the shade over it, common grace is the shade. You can see some of the light coming out, but if I take the shade off, it just goes bright and it fills every part of the room. That is the theological term, saving grace. This is when we know God and we put our trust in Jesus and we have the light that gives us full knowledge of God We cannot see the world how God sees it and understand the things of God unless our eyes are opened by the light of the grace that is in Jesus. We have to know him. We have to have a relationship with him. And whenever we have this relationship, what it means is that we no longer live for ourselves. We no longer love the things more than him. We we no longer think what's best for me. We make him Lord over our life. And we do that step of confession or repenting, which means I'm no longer living for myself, but I'm going to turn and I'm going to trust and I'm going to live for Jesus. So the first confession, if you want to have a deep understanding of God, if you want to know God, you first have to confess that Jesus is Lord and he has to rule your heart. Secondly, once we are disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, how do we bring confession about who God is into our life? In verse six, it says this. In 1 John 5, one through six, it says this. It says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, so if we have a relationship with Jesus, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Okay, so as we look at this, if we claim to have fellowship with Jesus, if we, we have this relationship with Jesus, but we don't know the truth, if we don't know the truth, what does that do? We end up saying a lie, and then what does that do? It makes us not able to practice the truth. So let's think how it could be opposite. Here's how you actually confess the, about God and how you know the knowledge of God. It's not just about knowing. It's three things. It's about knowing God. It's about saying the words of God and it's about obeying God. So you must know, you must say, and you must obey. If you want a deep fellowship with God, you don't believe darkness. You, don't, you have to know the truth of God. You have to know what he says. Do you know what God says? I think of Jesus. He was tempted by Satan in the, in the desert and as he's, as he's hungry and he wants food and Satan's tempting him, what does Jesus do at that moment? He knows the words of God. He quotes the Old Testament. He knows it in his head, but he just doesn't know it. He says it. He says, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word from God. And then what does he do? He obeys that word. If you want to grow in your prayer life, we have to confess that God is true 
And we have to know it. Do you know the Bible? Do you know what it says? Are you, are you in it day in and day out? Do you know those things? And then also, do you speak it? See, when we speak the Bible, when we speak his words, all of a sudden it changes how we view our world. And then lastly, are you putting it into practice? Are you obeying? So our first confession is our confession about God. Our second confession is our confession about ourselves. We're gonna jump back in 1 John 1, 7. It says this. Look at how we interact with this scripture. What does it say about us and our confession about us? But if we walk in light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. So if we walk in truth, if we walk in light, as he is in the light, as he is true, we have fellowship with God, but also we have fellowship with one another. We have a real connection with one another. And what happens? Jesus's blood of, purifies us from our sin, from, our, from where we are away from God. Yet, verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, if we say, I'm not a, I'm a good person, I never sin, I'm, I'm just perfect, I, I'm great, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If, if we just bring it to him, if we confess it, if we confess the hardship in our life, if we confess where we're going against God, if we just confess it, it's not that he goes, don't do it. He goes, no, I know you're gonna do it. Don't deceive yourselves. You must be honest about yourself that God will be faithful to forgive us. He will purify us and Lastly, if we claim we've not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We distort God's truth when we don't just embrace the truth about ourselves. And here's the truth. We all sin. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We don't do things right. We're not perfect. We live our lives in sin. Here's the other truth. We hate to admit it. I hate to admit my own shortcomings, my own failures, my own anger problems, my own pride. I hate admitting it. We lie about who we are. It is our nature to lie and deceive ourselves. Like, I'm, I, I'm not that bad, or I, I didn't do that, or, and not to be honest with who we are and what we've done and who truly God says we are. The truth about our sin is we just have a sinful nature. Romans says we're all sinful and we fall short of God's glory. Uh, there's a book by Ian Leslie called Born Liars. And he talks about how, how we all are born liars, like how lying is just part of our world. And it's interesting, he talks about the change in, he's a psychologist, he talks about the change between a three-year-old and a four-year-old. It's called the theory of the mind. A three-year-old, I have a four-year-old now, so I've seen the three to four-year-old. A three-year-old, when they steal a cookie and you confront them about it and you go, hey, did you steal a cookie? You know what they do? They confess. They go, yep, stole the cookie. Because they believe that you know what's going on in their mind. But there's a shift at the age of four that people start realizing that your thoughts are inaccessible to other people and that they don't know what you're thinking. So it all of a sudden starts to lie. So you ask the four-year-old, did you steal the cookie? No, I didn't steal the cookie. And they can get away with it. And they go, I can lie. See, we're all lie. We all are liars. We all don't follow complete truth. And this is the truth about humans is that we are naturally 
sinful. We naturally have issues and we naturally go against the things of God. And our response to that is to hide. It's to cover it in darkness and not uncover it. Why do we do this? It's typically because we feel a lot of shame. We feel judged. Yet this is not the point of confession. Confession of your sin is so that God can show his undying, unbelievable love for you by just forgiving you. And he says that all we must do is we must confess it and be honest with ourselves to bring it to life. You ever been in a bar at 3 (laughs) a.m.? Probably most people haven't, but bar at 3 a.m., here's what happens. They play closing time, closing time, and then everybody, they push everybody out, and all of a sudden, what do they do? They flip on the lights. And, you know, the club or the bar, right before that, it was it, like people were having a great time. It was cool. It was sexy. Like people were like, this is amazing. When the lights flip on, reality is shown And all of a sudden you see vomit on the floor. It smells terrible. There's mismatched earrings everywhere because it just, the scene is revealed. For so many of us, when it comes to the issues in our life, we're like a bar. We want to keep it dark. We don't want to bring it into the light. But in the light is where God does his cleanup, where he does his work, where he loves us so greatly, where he goes, I want you to bring your life to me. I want you to step into the light. I want to uncover the true reality of your sin and your life. It's not to bring shame. It's to bring healing. It's to bring healing in our life, to bring joy in our life. Saint Ignatius used to pray. He's an old saint. He used to pray that God would reveal sin in his life every single day. And it wasn't to beat himself up, but it was because it brought so much healing. He wanted it. Do you want to bring your sin to God? Because he wants to heal you in it. So how do you do this? There's two ways you can do this. You can confess your sin. You need to confess your sin specifically and frequently specifically and frequently. When my kids get in a fight, uh, I go, hey, go apologize. And my, my daughter goes up to, to Judah, go, Judah, I'm sorry. And then you do what every good parent does. What are you sorry for? And Celia says, I'm sorry for hitting you, Judah. I forgive you. But see, there's something that shifts when we're specific. God's not looking for these blanket, I'm a sinner, I'm terrible. He just wants you to go, What's in your life that specifically you can bring to me and I can heal you of frequently? We should do this frequently. Ignatius did it every single day. He was asking for it. And a lot of times we think that confession of our sin needs to be like the big sins, like when we're really, really bad, but it should be any time that we distort the truth of God and we live against the truth of God. I know I can confess every single day. I want to give you a tool on how you can do both these things specifically and frequently. And this exercise is called spiritual breathing. Just like any time we would breathe. But when it comes to confession, I want you this week, maybe as you think of things that come up in your life that you go against God or against others, and it happens to you, instead of hide it, bring it to the light, and here's what you do. It's like you're taking a big breath in and a breath out. Spiritual breathing is we exhale by confessing our sin. It's just an acknowledgement. It's going, God, I agree that my sin is against you. 
and I thank you that you forgive me. So you're breathing it out. And then when you breathe in, you're breathing in a new life. You're inhaling a surrender, a new freshness from God that God wants to bring into your life. And you're asking the Holy Spirit to empower you to do what God has called you to do. See, we can't do it on our own. We need God to work in our lives. That's why we have to bring it to God so God can heal us so that we might take steps to be like God. If, if you struggle, I want to give you one more tool. If you struggle to know, hey, how am I going against God this week? I just want to give you this tool. It's money back guarantee. I promise it works. I do this. I get out of, if I just want to connect with God in confession, what I will do is I would just get out kind of a notepad and I read Psalm 139, 23 through 24. And I read it and I, it says, search me, God. Know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When I do that, when I open my Bible up and I read that and I just pray for a minute, all of a sudden what I feel, things start coming to mind that I start confessing that God shows me. And it's not, I don't feel shame at that moment. I feel relief and joy when I bring my darkness and God shines his truth and his light in it. You don't have to hide. And third, as we close, the last confession we need is our confession about our God-given identity. Our God-given identity. So John wraps up and he goes into 1 John 2.1, the very next line, it says this, my dear children. So John, he's not going, you sinner, you terrible person. No, he goes, my dear children. See the tone that's there? My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Yet he knows we're going to sin. He already said, don't deceive yourself. But if anybody does sin, which we will, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. We are like a child and Jesus is the mediator between us and the Father. See, God loves you. He is a Father and he cares deeply about you. And when we are struggling in our sin and when we are stuck in it, he doesn't want us to be stuck in it anymore. He wants you to come to him because God, his father, doesn't want you to experience hell. Shame, darkness is hell on earth. God wants you to bring the truth to him. And when we go against God and we, we, we will experience guilt, guilt isn't a bad thing because it says we've done something wrong. But when we confess, it brings joy. It should not bring shame because shame says something's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. It's who we are. God, God loves you and there's nothing wrong with you. He wants to have that relationship with you. And shame goes, if I keep doing this, I'm, there must be something wrong with me. No, confession cleanses us of shame. We're not a scarlet letter but we are made pure. We must confess who we are though in Jesus, that we are a child of God. So how do we do this? We do this by confessing the truth about our God-given identity. We confess that our identity is no longer sinner, separated. We are loved children of God and we must confess that daily. We must know that we belong to him, that we are his kids. I love this practice and this is your tool you can take away if this is something you wanna grow in your confession is just the confession of coming in, putting some affirmations of who God says you are. 
The Bible is full of promises. The Bible is full of places that it says who you are in Christ. I, in the app, that you can go look in their message notes, and I'm going to put a list in there of just who I am in Christ. And some of these that I love saying about myself in John 15, 15, it says, as a disciple, I am a friend of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm his friend. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, I'm united with the Lord and in one with him and in spirit. And then it goes on in verse 19, I've been bought with a price. Romans 8 is, I am free from condemnation. You are free from condemnation. When we affirm ourselves, when we know our identity, when we know we are children, God can absolutely change our lives. So we must confess and we must claim these over our lives. Our confession about our God-given identity. Four years ago, I was in California for the summer with my family. And uh, we were there for work and we were staying at this apartment and we didn't have a backyard so our kids would go out and run around. And uh, Molly, my wife, calls me. I'm about seven minutes from the house and she goes, I, I can't find Selah. And she's six at the time and Molly starts, is freaking out. She's crying. She said, I've been looking 20 minutes. We need to call the police. And at that moment, my heart started pounding and I started just getting so worried. And I was like, what happened to Selah? Did she get stolen? Did she get abducted? Did she run away? Where is my six-year-old? She doesn't have any way to communicate with us. And I pull into the parking spot and I see Molly out there and I'm in complete utter distress and in tears. And as I look at Molly, I get out of the car and I just scream at the top of my lungs, Selah! And a few moments later, the bushes start rustling about 50 yards from me. And I see my six-year-old come out. See, she had been covered up. She had hid herself. She, and then once she stepped into the light and she uncovered herself, you know what I did? I was not angry. I was not frustrated. I just ran to her and gave her the biggest hug. And I said, come here. You're my daughter. I love you. No matter that you ran away, no matter that you caused me this pain, I love you. When we step into the light, when we uncover out of darkness, God is not to shame, but he is calling us to him. He wants that relationship with us. And confession is just bringing into light the reality of the truth that is in God. Afterwards, I, I did coach Selah up. I told her, hey, we're not gonna do that again. I corrected her, but my love for her never changed. As we move into just our time of prayer, I want, to, I want you to just write an I will statement. So this is just what are you going to do because of this message? When you think of your prayer life, what do you need to do? So it might be you just need to write, I will confess the truth about God daily by saying a Bible verse out loud. Maybe that's a good step for you of just confession. Or I will confess to God when I believe my agenda for the day is more important than his agenda for the day. Or I'm going to confess that one thing, that thing that has brought me shame and has been, I've felt guilty, I'm just gonna confess it to him and I'm gonna give it to him and I'm gonna bring it into the light. Whatever it is, I wanna invite you to confess because in that moment, God does his work and he shines his light and he heals us and he brings us truth into who we are. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for what you're doing. I can feel your freshness. I can feel that you bring light 
You bring life. You bring truth. And when we uncover the truth, you are there with open arms, not angry, not as I had told you so, but it's the open arms of a father. So God, we step into the light, into the true light. Lord, I pray for our church that we would confess who you are, that you would control our lives, and that we could experience a greater, deeper connection with you in prayer as we go through these 28 days, God. I pray for the person here right now that might be going, I'm not a follower of Jesus yet. I've never made that decision to trust Jesus. God, I pray right now that they would confess, that they would confess you. It says if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you are Lord, that we might be saved. And I pray right now that that would be the cry of anyone that's listening, heart that needs to put their trust in you, Lord. We confess that we, we don't know it all. We, we repent from trying to run our own agenda. We turn from living for ourselves. And, and I, I turn, we turn as a church that we would not think of the world as our home, but that we would live for you in our eternal home with you forever. And that would be what would motivate. That would be drive our hearts. So God, let us be a church that is full of truth and full of grace, that we might confess the truth about you, about who we are and what you say about us. In Jesus' name, amen. Restoration, we're just so grateful and thankful that you join in week after week. We love you. We're praying that God would use this series, that we would jump into that value, that we would, prayer would be our first resort. And right now, I just want to be grateful that you give. Your generosity is, is transforming lives. I'm, I hear stories every week of God transforming lives and your generosity is having a great impact on that. If you'd like to give, you can give on our app or our website. As we now move into worship, I would invite you to just lean into what God might have for you and know that he is light.